there, and welcome back to another episode of Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and over there to my right, Jason. Jason, yeah, I just shouted bad my boy name. Whelan. Whoa, that's you know, a better people, one you know. than I think. Doe-eyed was what I got a few <laughs> weeks ago, so yeah. I'll take the bad boy. Is that what you said, yeah. bad boy? You have a bad boy reputation around the building. I don't know people. People I think of you. You're the Saddleback bad oh, boy. Dear, there's Jason. Oh, <laughs> I bet he walking down the halls. The bad boy <laughs> yeah. is. The baby-faced bad boy, they call you. With his button-down shirts he always wears. <laughs> Never wearing T-shirts or sandals. Well, I guess sandals are not bad boy apparel. Anyway, this is going <laughs> south. Anyway, onward. Uh, I want to start off with, first, a just a warm hello to you. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Uh, and I also want to remind you of something that's very important to us. Yeah. It's important to us because it helps us get the word out there to other people about the show. Uh, if you're a podcaster, please just pause, literally, with your phone. Pause. Hit, hit that pause hit the button, actual the two pause lines. Button. Yeah. And go to iTunes and give us a rating or a review. That would be a huge favor that you could do for us. We're over here Not every while week. driving. Well, obviously. It goes without saying. Yeah. We're over here like, you know, sw- blood, sweat, and tears every weekend of these episodes. You should see it. So mm-hmm. much blood. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, anyway, and it would really help get the word out about our show to other people if you would take the time to, to give a rating or a review. Helps other people find out that we exist and they can check us out. Yeah. Um, lots of good things are happening. Show is growing. It's a lot of fun. But hey, we always could use a little bit more of that. Uh, and if you're watching on YouTube, of course, give us a like, give us a share, you know, give a comment, whatever the case may be. And speaking of comments, uh, in the next few weeks... Uh, now that Thanksgiving is behind us, not that we don't love it, but it's it's gone now until next year. Yeah, uh, we're going into the Christmas season, and we're going to spend the next few episodes talking about classic Christmas carols. And we're going to be going into the 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 meaning and the theology, even a little bit of theology, probably I think so. digging into some of these songs. Like, what do these songs really mean? What are they saying about God? And how how do these songs shape our attitudes going in? to the Christmas season. That'd be a lot of fun. So what does it mean to deck the halls? Yeah. Like, well, you know, no idea. I would love to study that. There we go. Uh, so I would love it. If you take a second, if you're listening to the podcast, shoot us an email, maturity at saddleback.com. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, drop a comment down there and tell us what's your favorite Christmas song. Yeah. What's your favorite? I should caveat. Let's, let's, let's not do deck the halls. Let's try to make them a little more Christian centric. And no Santa baby, because there's really not much theology in that song. No, believe us, we've thought about it. It doesn't work. <laughs> Not great. <Yeah. laughs> well, Rob talked about it yesterday, oh, and it got me thinking. That's true. I forgot about that. Anyway. Our old friend Rob. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's recap what we've been talking about so far, because today we're actually putting a bow on this series that we've been talking about, the worldview. Not the worldview. Our worldview and worldview in general. We started off talking about what are the four big questions that any good worldview has to answer. Any worldview that wants to be taken seriously needs to deal with these four big questions because they're so fundamental to human experience and to life. And those four questions are, how did everything come to be? So how did the universe come to exist? Second is, why is the world the way it is? More specifically, why do we live in a broken world where there's things like pain and suffering and all that stuff? Third is, how can this broken world be fixed? And we talked about how that can happen under the Christian worldview. Last week's episode was how Jesus fixes everything. Uh, so that's a really a prerequisite prerequisite episode to this week. I know we say that all the time, like, hey, don't listen to this until you listen to that. I really mean it this time, because today we're talking about the final question, which is how does everything end? And you cannot get your head around the Christian stance on this issue if you don't know the the 
powerful truths about Jesus. And even if you think, like, we just got a comment from about, about this from a, a volunteer that works with us who listens to the show, and she said, you know, I thought I really understood these things, but you guys talked about things that I just never thought of before. Yeah. So I encourage you to go back and listen to those episodes, because they, they really will shape how this episode takes form. This is a big one. It comes with some hard truths that we're going to dig into, and it's really important that you take the time to listen to those in advance. Uh, So every worldview needs to account for these four questions, and all worldviews deal with the question of how the universe or how the world is going to end, how the Christian story, excuse me, not the Christian story, how the human story Mm -hmm. concludes. There's a lot of interesting thoughts out there. Lots of interesting Mm -hmm. ones. I looked at a few of them, you know, and uh, it's it's quite interesting, you know, the the you know, like a secular scientific worldview says the universe is going to continue to expand until it dies a heat death and all life is gone. And or until the sun dies out. Well, that happens long before heat death. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We die when the sun goes. Yeah. And then the universe eventually just goes cold and turns into a frozen nothing. Yeah. Um, and then there's like Buddhism that talks about seven suns surrounding the earth and burning That's it to a crisp. Interesting Very interesting. One. And many, many others that we looked into. They all deal with this matter, this matter of how everything ends. But the Christian worldview has a, a very specific approach that comes at the end of a long history mm-hmm. uh, and that is filled with, you know, is, is, is brought about by lots of prophecy and all kinds of good stuff. And I want to start yeah. by letting all of you know, this episode is entitled Important. The End of the World as We Know right. It. Yeah. And if you started listening to this episode thinking, sweet, they're going to give us like an in-depth uh, look at Revelations. Sorry to... You're wrong. We're not going to do that. That yeah. is not the purpose of this episode. What we're going to do in this episode is, is give you an overview of the, the big storyline, the big plot points that come at the end of the story. Does that make sense? So if you're expecting us to go through like charts of the end times and all this kind of stuff and get into the minutia of, of eschatological prophecy, eschatology means of end things, we're not going to do that today. That's not the purpose of this episode. Remember, the show is called Doable Discipleship, mm-hmm. not you know, fun speculative prophecy party or something like that. Although that is a great name for a That's show. That's a great title for a show. <laughs> Copyright, everybody. Yeah. And, and I think, too, it's important to note that, like, everything that we've been talking about for these uh, four weeks, five weeks in this is is all a part of the narrative of the Bible. And I think that's what's so attractive and appealing and cool about the Christian worldview is it makes sense through the yeah. whole thing. There's yeah. a logic to it. And so what we're talking about today as the end part of it, it's it's not just some, whoa, that was a random end. It was a twist. And yeah. no, it's it's you can see it coming from yeah. from Genesis, you know, and we'll talk about how everything how it kind of uh, circles around, but it's it's this it's a direct narrative, and that's mm-hmm. what's so cool when yeah. you sit down and really get this overview of the Christian worldview, you can see how it all flows. Yeah, big time. You bring up a really important point. I mean, this, unlike so many, unlike so many worldviews, there is a, there is a perfect symmetry in the story of the yeah. Bible. I mean, we are literally going to come full circle and end almost exactly back where we started, but better. Not. Yeah, <laughs> but better. yeah. It's it's just it's an incredibly well-crafted narrative and it the 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 crazy thing about it is that this was crafted by the the revelation of god over thousands of years Mm -hmm. you know to have such this is one of the reasons why i believe what i believe and why i believe the bible is true is because it creates a coherent storyline that's written by you know dozens of authors over thousands of years and separated by by hundreds thousands even of, of miles and yet it all comes together to form one 
clear story. Yeah. It's, it's incredibly powerful. So anyway, uh, that's an important point. We're going to get into it. So today we're going to summarize the ending, and we're going to summarize with the basic truths that Christians have believed forever. Since the very beginning of the church, these are the things that, that Christians have, have known were coming, because Jesus talked about these, and because the apostles talked about these immediately after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So these are the, the very orthodox, very these have been widely accepted by Christians from the beginning. So we're not mm-hmm. we're not going to get into the minutia of all the, the prophecies that people argue about. We're going to talk about the things that Christians have agreed upon for thousands of years. Yes. Uh, and that's an important caveat. So uh, why don't you take us into the summary with that first point there. Summary of the ending, point number one. There will be a final conflict between good and evil. It's going to be the showdown of all showdowns. It's yeah. going to be high noon. It's going to like lightsabers will be flying around. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. Lightsabers. Well, yeah. I mean probably not lightsabers, but it'll be um yes, a final conflict between good and evil. And let me read you from Revelation chapter 20. It says, "He will go out to deceive the nations called Gog and Magog." In every corner of the earth, he will gather them together for battle, a mighty army as numberless as sand along the seashore. And I saw them as they went up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded God's people and the beloved city. We should note there that the he at the start of this uh, this passage is Satan. Yes. Satan is going out and he's doing this. He's, He's arming up. He is... Uh, unifying Gathering the, the, force, the yeah. fallen world mm-hmm. against God and all goodness. Um, yeah, so this is a... We're, at this point, we're hitting the crescendo of the story. We're hitting it that, is. We're, we're really building to the crescendo yeah, yeah. here. Um, yeah, and I mean, it's 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 something that, that obviously kind of... It has been coming, and you can kind of see that. And it's talked, you know, and this is, is, is talked about kind of at different places... Throughout the Bible, talks about this final battle, this final conflict yeah. we've yeah. been talking about. Um, but what's so cool, especially with the next point that we'll get into, is this idea that it's not something that we have to worry about. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, I want to st- just pause too because I think there's a cool there's a cool truth in here. Uh, you know, the scriptures tell us that God has planted eternity in our hearts, and that there are certain there are certain eternal truths that are just inside us that we just can't mm-hmm. get around. And that's kind of, we've kind of touched on a lot of those as we've gone through the Worldview series. Yeah. Um, but this whole idea of a final confrontation between good and evil is something that so deeply resonates with the human heart, wouldn't you say? I mean, like, oh yeah, every single film that you go and see in the theaters <laughs> deals with these themes of good versus evil. Yeah, I mean, like any sort, especially like of, of like an epic or a saga, yeah. like the part three in, in the trilogy always ends with this. Yeah. Like, think of Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah. Think of Narnia. Think of, you know, like any the big Marvel's thing. The Marvel Universe. Sure. Yeah, it it's all, it always... all comes down to this idea of good versus evil. And the sides, yeah. you know, it, it's usually is it, pretty clear. Yeah. You have have the forces of good against the forces of evil. Yeah. And, and I think that's something that we draw to because it's something that, as you said, is kind of, you know, is, is kind of placed in, in our heart, is... is is this wage, you know, between good and evil. Yeah. And that's all going to come to a head. Yeah. And we have a sense that it must come to a head. Yeah. Don't we? I mean, it has that's, to. that's why everything that we create, that's why everything that human beings create in terms of story tends to deal with either a love story, which sometimes will include some of these themes, 
or we'll deal with the conflict between good and evil and how it's never just left hanging. You know, there's always yeah. a sense that resolution needs to come. We long for a resolution to mm-hmm. finally come. And so this point where this conflict finally comes to a head is at the end of a long, long chain of events, um, starting all the way back in the Garden of Eden and leading all the way up to this final, this final warlike moment. Um, but Satan goes out, he, he, he moves all around the earth, and he, as, he assembles a vast army, basically because of the, the chain of events that's happened up to this point. He basically takes all that is left on the earth, all the human forces left on the earth, and brings them to bear against God and yeah. his people. Um, and that's that end of that revolution, uh, Revelations 20, verse 9. I saw they went up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded God's people and the beloved city. They go on the offensive. Mm-hmm. And then we go to number two. So first, there will be a final conflict between good and evil. Second, Jesus will overpower Satan and all his forces and banish him once and for all. And we find this in revolution, uh, revolution why do I keep saying that? <laughs> Revelations 20, the second half of verse 9 and uh, verse 10. It says, but fire from heaven came down on the attacking armies and consumed them. Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. And that fiery lake of burning sulfur, the lake of fire, is um, talked about often in the New Testament and refers to the the final place of separation, the final place of banishment for Satan and his demons. And as we'll talk about later, um, for humans as well, though that was not the intent of of. Uh, the lake of fire to begin yeah. with. But this is the place that God created uh, in order to banish the angels who've turned on him. And again, go back a couple episodes and listen to what we said about Satan. When you go back to the How We Broke the World episode, you can hear more about that there, hear more about what had happened with the fall of Satan. But it, but that's the big point here is, 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 is we, we can read how the story ends. Yeah. We can read, you know, it's it's not like a choose your own adventure. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, it's not like you get to the end of the story and the last few pages are blank. You're like, ah, what's going to happen? Yeah. Tune in next season. No. Yeah. It's a, it's not uh, a cliffhanger. No. Is, is, is if, if we believe in, as, as we do, a sovereign, all-powerful, all-knowing God... You know, he he tells us how the story ends, yeah. And we can love him all the more for it because we can have our hope in that. Is we can have our faith and trust in that, yeah. And knowing that we have a God who is all powerful and will conquer, yeah. You know, and and is victorious, yeah. Yeah, no, you're you're completely right. And and we talked about a couple weeks ago this idea that you know Satan originally tried to usurp God's rightful place uh, and ascend. He said, I will, I will be God. Yeah, yeah. And we talked about how dumb it was that he did that. You know, why would, any, why would an angelic being that dwelt so close to God think that he could overthrow God? But apparently he hasn't lost his touch, you know? Apparently he's, he's still... <laughs> he hasn't quite gotten it. <laughs> he still deludedly thinks that, that he can overthrow God. And so he goes yeah. on this offensive uh, when the end finally comes. Um, but yeah, we know the story. We know that no created thing can overthrow its, its all-powerful creator, but... Yet Satan tries, um, but yeah, we already know how that story ends, and that's that's a source of worship for us. Um, what about the next thing? Uh, so the next thing is that God will completely wipe away the heavens and the earth and remake them free from sin and all its effects. So we're talking in a new heaven, new earth, um, and it's going to be glorious. Um, It says in Revelation 21, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. Mm. Um, This is going to happen. And 
Um, and God knows what he's doing with it. Yeah. Like, he, he, he's going to make a new earth that is free from the brokenness of sin. Everything that we talked about in the How We Broke the World episode yeah. is going to be made new yeah. again. And there's no, and, and sin's not going to be a part of it. Yeah. And it's something that it's really, it's truly hard for our minds to even to fathom yeah. what that would be like because it's just something that we've never experienced. And, and will never experience on this earth. Yeah. And so it's it's kind of a it's it's a cool thing to get to look forward to. Yeah. yeah. And that new earth is what is often referred to as heaven in the New Testament. Uh this is an important distinction. Sure. Uh we won't get into all the uh, all the fine details of this, but when we talk about heaven and that eternal that eternal place of joy and and of eternal bond with God and yeah. um that perfect place what we're talking about ultimately is the newly created heavens and earth where we, that's where we will live forever. We don't go to some like some cliche floaty spiritual place in the clouds. Like we It's not the made. Robin Williams movie where he's walking around the cloud city and What dreams it, may come. What dreams that, that's it. That I couldn't one? remember the name, but yeah. thank you. Good that time. was an interesting one. I never saw it, but I've I've yeah. seen the poster and he's walking around clouds. Watch it for the imagination, not for the theology. Okay. That's what I'll say. Okay. Anyway, um <clears throat> yeah, so heaven is you know, ultimately, the place that we will dwell for eternity is a physical place. It's an earth. It's it's much like the earth we live on now, but perfect and free from all the marring and brokenness that comes from sin, as Jason was saying. Yeah. And that's an important distinction. I also want to go back and say one thing that I forgot to say when we were talking about um, Jesus over overpowering Satan and banishing them. Um, there's a there's a misconception that Satan is in hell now and like he rules yeah, like in he's hell and he's down there. Like, like Satan's the one doing the prodding and all that stuff in hell but that's not the case I like at the all. vision of a cave that's red and, and yeah dark and satan and has a throne and... down there but that's a complete that's a complete fabrication yeah. nowhere in the bible is that found it nowhere in any even non-christian faith do i that i can think of has that ever been said to be true yeah hell is the place that was designed for satan the the place of banishment and separation from god the place of eternal uh, of eternal anguish it is not a place that satan rules it is a place that Satan dreads, it is his future torment. He uh, is, if he has, if, if he's thinking straight at all, he's horrified of this place. Yeah. Um, and so it, this is an important thing. Like Satan is not there. In fact, it's much scarier than that. Mm-hmm. Satan is here. Yeah. Satan is here on earth still. And we talked about this a couple yeah. weeks ago, so go back and listen to that. But this is an important truth. Uh, Satan has not faced final judgment and been cast into the lake of fire yet. Uh, for us, it's freakier than that. In fact, that's what Revelation 12 says. It says, yeah. you know, glory to you in the heavens because because the devil's been thrown out, but woe to you on earth because he's come down to you and he's he's infuriated because he knows his time is short. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a very real, real war going on and we're in the middle of it. It is not yet settled. Um, I mean, it's settled in the sense that we know how it will we, pan out, but how, yeah. it's, it's not yet complete. <clears throat> so yes, um, God will wipe away the heavens and the earth and remake them free from sin and all its effect. And, and, and that is the heaven that we really talk about eternally, our eternal dwelling place. And what I was saying on that is that it's a physical place. It's a place that that will feel familiar to us. Um, it's been said that in, in heaven we will be more human than we've mm-hmm. ever been before. And I love we will that experience phrase. something that is more real than anything we've ever experienced before. This earth will feel sort of phantasmal compared to it. Yeah, even. I don't know if we've said this uh, previously, but it's worth mentioning again just in case. Uh, we don't become angels. Oh, so thank you for saying that. Yes. <laughs> we don't get you know yes have halos and uh and all that you know 
Like as Pastor Rick likes to say, like you're not just going to be sitting on a cloud and strumming a harp. No. Right? Is is you will have it, you will have your physical a, a physical body, yes. a glorified body. Yeah. Um, we'll talk to more on that. And in we'll a talk about more it. about that. But yeah, you don't become something other than what you are. Yeah. You were made a human being. God made human beings and declared them good. Yeah. He made them on purpose because he wanted human beings to exist. Yeah. Human beings never stop existing. Humans, evil humans never become demons. Good humans, godly humans, Christians, nobody ever becomes an angel. an angel because they're completely different. To say you become an angel in heaven is no different than saying you become a moth in heaven or you know some other uh, unicorn in heaven. You will never become that because you were never meant to be that. You were made by God to be a human being. You'll remain a human being. Yeah. That's a really good, I'm glad you brought that up, because that is a wacky misconception. I don't know really where that came from. Uh, I guess we just think of angels as these paragons of goodness, and like, we well, think of Well, you think of, of heaven, and you think of them. angels in heaven, and so you just think, yeah, I guess you know, and of course you think like, I want to look like what Christopher Lloyd looks like in Angels in the Outfield. <laughs> He's an angel. He's a person. That's no, not how it Make is. Make eye contact. <laughs> Flap your wings. Yeah, that's a really good point. Glad you brought that up. Sure. Uh, next, and this is where it gets tough, um, and, and let me just make it make it clear that we're talking about difficult truths today and from yeah. this from this point for the next couple of points it's going to be it's going to be tough and I, I want you to realize that we um we're, we're trying to handle this as sensitively as we can but also as truthfully as we possibly can because we're we're dealing with what the bible teaches and we're dealing with something that we cannot avoid because not only is it talked about in the bible not only is it talked about in the old testament jesus himself talked about hell mm-hmm. and he talked about it often he talked about judgment and he talked about it often and we can't have a thorough discussion on the last chapter of the story without dealing with these important steps on the journey. Um, So bear with us. Uh, This is probably the part of the show where you're going to start disliking the video. That's okay, because we have to, we just have to say what the Bible teaches, and that's what we're going to do. But we will try to handle this in the most, um, you know, in the most gentle and caring way possible. But that takes us to number four, Uh, and this is a reality that we cannot avoid that's taught everywhere in the scriptures, that all human beings will face a day of judgment. That in the end, we have to stand and give account for the lives that we lived. And we'll talk more about that and get into some more of the details. Uh, Revelations, uh, Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 12 says, And I saw a great white throne, and the one sitting on it, the earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And great and small there is talking about those who were of great stature, those who were of prominence, and those who were meek and lesser known, all people of every walk of life, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life, and the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. Uh, So that's Revelation chapter 20, verses 10 through 12. The Bible tells us— Was that 10 through 12 or 11 through 12? Excuse me, 11 through 12. I saw that zero and got mixed up. So the Bible tells us that God has kept— a complete record of every sin that's ever been committed. Yeah. And the scary thing about that is even mine mm-hmm. and even yours and yep. even yours, everybody's sins have been recorded. All our deeds have been recorded. Nothing has escaped the mind of God or the memory of God. In the end, each person has to face the reality of their guilt because all sin is laid bare. God, as this just God, must call sin to be accounted for. Yeah. He must call it to account. Um, he cannot be both holy and just and not do this function. This is part this is this is part of what his nature demands. This must happen. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit in a previous episode, but it's also like it's a part of his love. It's yeah. it's because he is loving that he is just 
like you know and it's 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 a part of that it sounds unloving to cast judgment right but it's not because it's right. in god's nature as a holy just loving god yeah. well it's even in, this is and this is sometimes hard to get your head around but this is part of what makes god a good god yeah you you cannot be in the strong good. way of the word good not just like he's a, he, you know right. he's a good guy no he's a good God, yeah, in the yeah. Strong this this is where the word "good" I think is really broken down in the yeah. English language and in common common usage today. We don't good in the sense of attribute of God is not talking about good as in like he's a he's a pal, you know, like yeah, it's not like he's better than <laughs> yeah. No, it, it may mean that it means that yeah. he is ultimately good, yeah. goodness in the sense that he is fully and completely righteous mm-hmm. and. Uh, That's a good does what it, yeah. is good, does what is right, and is fully loving. Like all those attributes of God can be folded into this good idea. That's why Jesus treated the word good when he was called good teacher. He said only God is good. He said only he said don't throw that word around because that word has tremendous yeah. significance. Um, so the goodness of God requires this. Just like if if I was walking down the street and I saw someone you know being beaten up in front of me and I did absolutely nothing to intervene, that would not be a good action. We would not consider that to be a good thing. In fact, we might even consider a, a, some, someone who does that repeatedly to not really be a very good person, to just yeah. look the other way every time something terrible. So because God is good, he must intervene against evil. Mm-hmm. Now, because God's gracious and he shows mercy, he may delay that time as he has done for, for eons. But ultimately, for him to be a good, holy, and just God, he must take action against evil. He must call it to account. Mm-hmm. And, and this is, no doubt about it, one of the hardest things for people to, to accept about God and about the Christian worldview. Uh, on the one hand, we want to believe uh, in a God who will see to it that evildoers are punished, right? We, we, we want to believe that the really, the, ter- the Mussolinis and the Hitlers of the world are going to get what's coming to them. Mm-hmm. We, we, we like to know that. But on the other hand, we shudder at the thought that God's justice might ever be turned in our direction. Yeah. Uh, and yet, we're told unequivocally Old and New Testaments from the, from the mouth of Christ himself, that each of us must stand before this God one day. Mm-hmm. And we have to accept that if we want to accept the Christian worldview. Um, so if God really is good, if he really is uh, a just God, he's got to enforce justice with everyone, not just the people that we think of as the worst of the worst, that he yeah. must enforce justice on, on all people. Otherwise, it's not justice. Otherwise, it's just, you know, a preferential treatment, right? Uh, check out, we, we talked about this early on uh, in this series because some of the stuff we've talked about has been inspired by this this book called The Story of Reality by Greg Kokel. Go check that out. Gregory Kokel is what's actually on the cover of the book. So if you want to search for that, it'll make it easier. But he has some some great words about this. And he talks about this very idea that, you know, we 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 have kind of like a this tense relationship with justice because we want justice to be done in the, in the abstract sense, but we don't ever want justice to be done yeah, unto just, us. Yeah, exactly. You know? It's like, give them what they deserve and let me off the hook kind of and a I'm thing. And I'm going to hide back here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So check that out. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, but this is an important truth. All of us have to stand before a just God one mm-hmm. day. And uh, that's a, an important moment. That's, in fact, the important moment. It's kind well, of the it, defining moment of, of human existence. Yeah, and it's kind of, this is jumping ahead in our programming usually, but like, as we think about like the doable steps here, like yeah. it's just if you if you live with that reality, then it should hopefully make you stop and think about your actions. Yeah. If you know that God has a record 
of of every sin, every wrong that you've ever done, and that yeah. one day, like you will, you know, stand in front of him. It should cause you to stop and think and be like, okay, I I don't want to add to that. Yeah, you know, and and just make you think about the choices, the motives, that kind of yeah. stuff. Well, I think we we tend to diminish the we. I think we we struggle with this ultimate justice moment because <clears throat> we don't have a very good appreciation for our own sin and our mm-hmm. own and the evil that resides inside all of us. Yeah. I think we're so desensitized to it, I think is a way we to are. put it. Like we live in a fallen world all the time. So I think we're desensitized to how far away from the mark or how far short of the mark we actually are, that all have sinned and all fall short of God's glorious standard. We don't use, for the most part, God's glorious standard to measure ourselves. I measure myself against you and you know yeah. everyone else around me. I think I I measure myself um, in a relative way, where God measures human beings in an objective way against mm-hmm. the ultimate standard, which is His own holiness and His own person. He is yeah. the ultimate standard of the universe. And so, when you think of that as the standard, uh, you start to realize just how um, how repulsive sin actually is. Yeah. There is a great quote. I forget if it was from C.S. Lewis or Randy Alcorn. It was from one of these articles that we were reading in preparation for this. But it's talking about if we truly hated sin and evil as much as God did, hmm. we would totally understand this need and be, you know, and and, and be be all for this idea of, of needing yeah. judgment and that kind of stuff. Because yeah. it just makes it war- but. But as you were talking about, like we tend, you know, to uh, to minimize it, or to just be like, oh, that's the way it is, you know, kind of stuff. Yeah. And then we we're like, wait, God, like, why are you judging me for this? Yeah, yeah, man. God, and God also has the perspective of what we were made to be. He knows exactly that's, what we were meant to be. Yeah, the perspective is a huge, and He knows exactly what we one day may be. Mm-hmm. You know, based based on the last two pieces of the story that we'll talk about in a minute. Um. And because we have no frame of reference, like we we don't even realize how different we are from the unfallen Adam and Eve or how different we are from the glorified humans of, of that we will yeah. one day become. Um, and because we don't realize, we just don't know how far we've fallen. We don't mm-hmm. know how messed up we really are. And, it, and it's only God, we only live in this tiny pocket of existence, but God <laughs> has the total in mind. Like he, he, he can look out across all humanity for all time and see every single bit of pain mm-hmm. and horror that's been caused by sin. And so he can appreciate its magnitude where yeah. we cannot. Um, and that's just something we have to accept. We have to accept that God's ways are higher than our ways, and that mm-hmm. God has greater understanding than us, and that God sees things as they truly are, and we don't. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> so from one hard truth to another, we just talked about um, all human beings will face a day of judgment. And our next point is that those who have rebelled against God and rejected his son will be declared guilty and sent to their eternal home apart from him, uh, which is called hell, which we were talking about just a, a yeah. minute ago. And we and we should say this is one of two verdicts that come as a result of yes, standing yes, yeah. before God. I want them to know there are two sides to this coin. If that yeah, wasn't, the good side's coming. That wasn't implied. <laughs> but go ahead. Yeah. Um, we got a piece of scripture here from Revelation twenty fifteen. It says, and anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Um, so first we want to hit four uh, truths about hell. First, it, it, 
it is real. Uh, and that's an important thing, yeah. uh, important point to set up. It is real. It's not, it's not, it's not an idea. It's not kind of an imagination. It's not a, it, it, it's a real place. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, I think, I think pretty much, I think most Christians would agree that it's a physical place, not a just physical a real place. place, but it's a physical place. Yeah, yeah. Just like we will be physical creatures, fully human in that sense of the total human existence, um, body, mind, and spirit mm-hmm. in heaven, uh, the same will be true about people in hell, right? Yeah. We, it's a physical it's experience. A physical pl- yeah. it's, it's anguish on every level. Yes. Uh, which leads to the next uh, point of truth about hell is that it is a place of suffering. Yeah. Um, and then it, it is a place of banishment from God's presence. And, and this is the source of pain. And... Um, and the fourth truth is that it never ends. And the yeah. and the idea here is that is that it is a place that is completely void and separated of God's goodness. Yeah. And when I was reading these articles earlier, it was talking about how how how, how people people are end up in hell because they have chosen to live apart from God. They have chosen that they do not want. Mm-hmm. God to be in God's presence. They don't want his goodness. Yeah. You know, they want to live their life, but what they don't what they don't realize is that is that the goodness of life comes from God. Yeah. So hell being the absence in the void of God, God takes all his goodness with him. And so you know, so when you think about hell as a place of suffering and pain, it's because there's literally no goodness yeah. there. Yeah. It, it's, it, I think it helps to, to understand hell a little bit when you see it not just as a, as a place of punishment, which it is. We yeah. can't get around that. Yeah. Because Jesus describes it as a place of eternal punishment. Yeah. You know, so, so there is a sense, there is a sense in which God is inflicting this to some, because it's, it's, God who decides to cast someone into this place. Yeah, hey, God is the judge. And that yeah, is, God is the yeah. judge, and he's, he's, he's the one who's calling this verdict. But it's, it's also the place of fulfillment, as you were saying. Yeah. Like, it's the place where desires are fully and completely fulfilled. Yeah. There is a quote a little bit that I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, but it's worth saying again, I, and I forget again if it was Greg Coco or Frank Turk, but when asked, what, when asked the question, like, will, you know, is is my family member in hell or, or, or whatever? He was like, well, if your family member chose in this life not to have want anything to do with God, God's not going to force them to be with him for all of eternity. Yeah. So, so that's why it is the fulfillment of what they want. Yeah. Their desire is to not be controlled by God, to not have to surrender their lives to God, yeah. to, you know, and not have to obey God, you know, all this. It's it's their choice to live life on their own terms. Yeah. So it's like the C.S. Lewis quote, you know, um, God is saying to them, thy will be done. Yeah. You want life without me, you get eternal life without yeah. me. Yeah, I think it says, heaven is the place for people who look to God and say, thy will be done. Yeah. And hell is the place for people to whom God looks and says, thy, thy will, will be, be done. done. And yeah. I, that, that's kind of like semantically maybe a little bit tough. But the idea is that just as heaven is the place where, just as heaven is the fulfillment of the desire to be in close, intimate relationship with God, 
Yeah. Hell is the place that is the fulfillment of the desire to be left alone by God. For the person who says, God, leave me alone, let me live my yeah. life. Hell is the ultimate end of That's that. It. And not and not simply because God is inflicting punishment on that person, because hell is the hell is the only thing that can ever be given to a person who, who wants, wants nothing mm-hmm. to do with God. Exactly. And like you said, um and, and this is probably the scariest gut wrench most gut wrenching thing about hell. Yeah. And I heard it said one time that hell is the place that is without God's presence. And and I heard this phrase and it blew me away. Hell is the place where you become unknown even to the God who knows all. <laughs> Doesn't that put a chill down your I, spine? I literally got the chills just thinking about that. I mean, the I think the ultimate sorrow of hell is the complete and utter separation. Separation mm-hmm. from you and others, separation from you and God. It is the place for someone who says, all that matters to me is me. Yeah. Where heaven is the place that says, all that matters to me is God and what God wants. And so I'll talk more on this in just a second, but read this C.S. Lewis quote. I, I yeah, think this, this is great quote. interesting and thought-provoking, and I want to make sure it's understood properly. Yeah, it, uh, it says... Who's it by? I, C.S. Lewis, which <laughs> okay. you did say. It oh, says, I, I willingly believe that the damned are, in one sense, successful rebels to the end, that the doors of hell are locked on the inside. Yeah. This isn't... this to me, is a very interesting quote. And it really does get misunderstood yeah. greatly. Um, people completely miss the point of this quote sometimes, and they're like, oh, so people want to be in hell? That's not at all, that's not really at all the case. It's not that someone wants to go to hell, but rather that some people desire to be left alone by God, yeah. and that that's exactly what hell is. It's the place where God is absent. It's the place where you go mm-hmm. to be left alone by God. It's the place of quarantine. If you say your entire life, whether implicitly or explicitly, God, leave me alone. All that can be said when when hell is your final resting place is that God gave you exactly what you desired. Mm-hmm. God gave you exactly what you seem to always long for. And you can't, it's you truly can't even begin to comprehend what that means. Yeah. Because in the world that you know, like even on this earth, you cannot escape God's his presence and his goodness. Yeah. Because he made everything and he called it good. He made creation and he called it good. Yeah. So try to imagine an existence where God's goodness, where his presence is not there. Yeah. You can't even be, it's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> if, if hell's the place where God is not, yeah. it's the place where God is missing. Wherever God is missing, all of the goodness that he brings is missing as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If if God is absent, all the goodness that He brings is gone as well. If, I think of it a little bit like, um, you know, like a child who kind of grows up and and begins re- rebelling against his parents, and um, you know, gets into all kinds of bad stuff, completely disregards their rules, um, steals from them, is violent toward them, treats them with utter contempt, and and just deals in, in a way that is completely. Um, disrespectful, just all the worst things you can imagine, you know, completely rebelling against the parents. Um, hell's a little bit like that final moment where the kid is kicked out of the house, where you just can't live here anymore. You're not compatible with this home. Yeah. And it's it's that realization that at home, you experience all the blessings, the, the common grace that God gives, we would sometimes mm-hmm. say. Like, 
you know, ev- the Bible even tells us, like, you know, the sun shines on both the evil yeah. and the good. You know, the rain falls on both the good and the evil. That there are common there are aspects of this life where, like you said, I think you put it really well, that you can't escape God's goodness, where it's yeah. all around you. Every day that you get up and take a breath, you're experiencing the goodness of God. You're experiencing mm-hmm. the, the simple continuation of life that God gives you. And and um, and hell is the place where all that is gone. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the sobering reality. Uh, Matthew 7, 7 says something that I think... Well, I just want to unpack this in just a minute, but let me read it first. Matthew 7, 7 says, Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. And we usually interpret that in purely positive terms, but this actually gives us a pretty kind of jarring and I think sobering glimpse at God's MO, you know, like the, mm-hmm. the way God works. That God's given human beings wonderful, you know, this wonderful but sometimes frightening or dreadful gift of free will that he he, to, to a large extent, will not interfere with us choosing our own destiny. He yeah. will, he will respect our right to choose our own path. And and at the same point, I think it's important to note too that that after the judgment, there it's not a it's not a oh wait I changed my mind you know it's not a wait I want to you know yeah there's a finality uh, I'm to repenting it. now or, yeah it's yeah. a fun and yeah I think that's important to note yeah well we know. If, because we, we know from the scriptures that there will come a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ yeah. is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Um, but there are going to be two different kinds of kneelers. Mm-hmm. There will be kneelers who bow out of genuine love and gratitude yeah, and worship. In worship to God. And there will be some who bow in fear. Mm-hmm. There will be some who bow because they can do nothing but bow There's, before yeah. this this. Uh, unbelievable holy god um you know and that is a that's different so so to face judgment to stand face to face with god and then repent is is really meaningless because there's it, there's a repentant it's a coerced repentance you know it's a it's a repentance that comes um from a desire to just sort of like get out of trouble rather yeah. than out of a genuine love. And remember, we said last week that what God has always wanted is genuine relationship with human mm-hmm. beings based on love and mutual choice. And, um, and and that kind of gets at the question of why people are like, why doesn't God appear to me more grandly or clearly and that kind of stuff? Well, I think God has kind of, for many of us, has placed us in a Goldilocks zone where he works with us. He gives us just enough of his goodness and is apparent enough to us to know that he exists but he doesn't display himself to us so overwhelmingly that it forces yeah. or, or overpowers our free will to the, to the extent where we would say like, you know, like everyone that God or even angels appear to, especially in the Old Testament and in the New Testament as well. Look at Paul. Look at the, sure. those guys. Like whenever even an angel appears to them, they're like, oh, freak out, like <laughs> yeah. hit the deck. You know, they're overwhelmed <laughs> with this presence. Like not, that's not even God the Father, you know. So you can't even imagine the intensity of that presence. Um, God's placed us in this in this in this zone where we are right in the place where we're not forcibly shoved into relationship with him. And yet we're not irresistibly prevented from yeah. a relationship with him. It, we're left in this, in this zone where we choose. Yeah. It, but yeah, yeah, I, I agree completely. And, but I, I think, I think the point that I, I wanted to make sure that we get across is we can't, it's not, it's not a situation where like we who are still alive can <clears throat> pray for the salvation oh, of the dead. Yeah, the finality of it, yeah. Yeah, it's the final. Yeah, right. just wanted to make sure that we got that clear and settled away. No, that's that's an important point, yeah. So anyway, we're talking about 
um, we're talking about exactly what hell is, and <clears throat> we talked about this idea of free will and um, that God respects our right to choose and to, to kind of guide our own destiny to, to a great extent. Uh, and in this life, all of us, whether we love God or hate Him, we get to enjoy the blessings, the common mm-hmm. grace that I talked about a minute ago. So the gift of life, um, the gift of pleasure, all, all the pleasure that you experience comes because God has enabled that in this life. Uh, a degree of, you know, a certain degree of happiness, um, love and friendship and all these great things that we get to experience here. But there will come a time where God will, will um, He'll give each of us the final fulfillment of our desires. Yeah. Right? It, it, where He will... Um, give us either eternity with him or eternity without him. He won't allow us to remain in this lukewarm state forever and ever. And and we have to keep in mind too that that it's hard for us to comprehend, but God is the the ultimate source of justice. God knows what he's doing. It's not something where we should be like, oh God, how did you, you know, make this, you know, judge on this person. Like God he's he's got it <laughs> i think is the best way that we can say god's yeah. got it under yeah. control <laughs> the 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 clay cannot turn to the potter and say yeah. why have you done as you've done why are you sh-? yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> the book of daniel talks about mm-hmm. that too that no one can look to god and say why do you do these things yeah. no one can ever indict god um and, and this is an important truth that god won't god won't drag someone into god listen to this god won't drag somebody to heaven who has all their life desired only to be separated from him and left alone by him. Yeah. That that makes no sense. That makes no sense. Yeah. I mean, it would be like a forced marriage. God is not going to force somebody into an eternal, intimate bond with him that wants nothing to do with him. Yeah. Right? That makes absolutely no sense, and God God won't do it for, for the most obvious reasons. And at the same time, he's not trying to... He, he, he's not trying to make it an exclusive club like club 33 where like you have to you know yeah you got to know somebody you got to know somebody no it's you know god is a loving god but he is just and he is holy and he's got it under control and actually you do need to know somebody you just need to know jesus yeah (laughs) but jesus wants to be friends with everybody (laughs) so there's no reason you need to be prevented And, and i think there's an important point that i want to touch on to you before we move out of before we move out of this section of of judgment and hell the hard section is that i think most people or many people at least want all the blessings that god gives without any of the responsibility of relationship they want all the goodness that he gives but they don't want the responsibility they don't want to be held accountable by him or held to any standard Uh, i i wrote this down because i want to make sure i say it right but i kind of thought about this i'm like so what what is the what is the person saying to god uh, let me let me say it like this. It's kind of like wanting all the blessings of God, the goodness that He gives without the responsibilities. Is kind of like saying, God, I want to live my life without any interference from You. I want to do what I want when I want. Your commands are irritating, and I refuse to obey them. I'll live my life as I see fit, and while I'm doing that, I want to keep enjoying Your blessings. And when my life is over, I expect You to reward me with eternal happiness in heaven. Now, this is a childish and nonsensical mindset. Yeah. This does not make sense. Now, most people never go as far as to say this explicitly. Sure. But this is the attitude and the mindset that is revealed by the way people often live. Yeah. You live your life completely rejecting God. And yet, you want him to give you all these eternal rewards. It does not, it just doesn't make sense. And and in the in the end, hell is the only thing that makes sense for a person who rejects God. Anyone who wants to be left alone by God would find heaven intolerable. Because mm-hmm. heaven is the very place where you are in perfect, total union with God and with others all the time. Yeah. 
you know, you can't be God and have God be God at the same time. So this is, I think, an important truth. Heaven would probably be repulsive to a person who wants nothing to do with God. Yeah. That's hard to get your head around. (laughs) Which leads us into the other side. So we talked about hell, and and now we get to talk about the good news, is that those who have turned to uh, to Jesus will be declared innocent um, and will be welcomed into their eternal home with God in this newly made creation. Um, so what we're talking about is the book of life, which we referenced earlier in some scripture, and, and we referenced um, as we um, a little bit earlier in this episode. It's a record of all those who ha- have recognized their guilt and received Jesus. And, and they are declared innocent because their guilt is covered by Jesus. Yeah. And um, we talked a lot about that in last week's episode. Yeah. Um, so we're not going to spend as, nearly as much time on it here. Mm-hmm. But go back and listen to last week's, as Doug said earlier. You really should go back and listen to last week's. Yeah, this is where it really counts. This you is really where that comes into that. play. You need to just, to um, to that. But let me just read from Revelation 21, uh, verses 2 through 4, which says, And I saw the holy city, uh, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, a beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Hmm. Friends, that's the hope. Yeah. Like, if if there's one thing that we want to make abundantly clear especially as we came out of this talk about hell and, and it, it, it is that is that there is there is hope yeah in the yeah. eternal life with god where god will wipe away every tear and there will be no more death or sorrow or fear or pain yeah um and and this is what god wants for everybody for everybody god desires this perfect harmonious eternal goodness for everybody but some just won't have it, and that's the it, some just won't receive him and have this. Yeah, a lot of people hear about hell and hear about being judged and all this stuff, and they just assume that God is a mean spirited yeah. God who just wants to keep everybody out. Yeah, but that's not the case because, as we talked about last week, He sent Jesus for all people, yeah. and anybody has the opportunity to invite him into their yeah. life to be saved from their sins by Christ yeah. and can and and can be in eternal life yeah with God yeah it's, it's so and in in the old testament this comes to mind in the old testament prophets you have God saying through the prophets at times i do not delight in the destruction of the wicked yeah i don't god does not get joy from punishing people what he desires is for them to repent and turn to him yeah but some will not do it yeah, and to those who will not do it, there is only one compatible home. Mm-hmm. Um, so this uh, this topic, both of these topics, are talked about a lot in foundations, and we've talked about foundations quite a yeah. bit throughout this series. But it's because <clears throat> it plays such a big role in in all these conversations. Yeah, it's the theological backbone of Saddleback. Church, exactly. Sure. So if you haven't taken foundations, another plug. Make sure to do so. Yeah. Um, go online on saddleback.com slash maturity. Um, and look on the bottom is going to be all the dates for foundations coming in the new year. Right. Um, it's not up there yet, but they're coming. 
So just keep that in mind. Hold your horses. Hold your horses. But there, I mean, there are two weeks spent on hell in heaven in foundations. Um, So, and then two more weeks on the second coming. Two more weeks on the second coming. You get like four good weeks. And there's two weeks on good and evil too. So there's a lot of stuff. Anyway. um, But so out of foundations, um, we just want to share this part from... Um, from the session on heaven, where it talks yeah. about what will heaven be like, six truths to bring you joy. Yeah. It's a taste uh, of foundations. Taste of foundations. It's a little sampler. There you go. <laughs> um, so the first point, uh, first truth is is holiness. Um, there will be no more sin in heaven. Yeah. Um, it's Again, it's something you can't even kind of get your mind fully wrapped around, but like all all of those bad things that you do that I do um, aren't going to happen, and all sources of temptation will all be sources eliminated. of temptation gone. Remember, Satan, the tempter, the one who went into the Garden of Eden yeah. and and like threw a wrench into the whole thing, is now forever banished from God's creation. No access granted. Yeah, he is now fully and completely denied. So there's no imagine there no, a flaming sword. <laughs> so there is no Satan. About, yeah. No demons and no other fallen humans who can spread yep. the disease of sin ever again. It's it's gone, f- finally eradicated, flung out of creation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's an important truth. Next is you get a glorified body, and there's much we don't know about what glorified bodies can do and what they're like. We know Jesus got one. <laughs> we know yep. we're going to get one, um, but what exactly that means, we're not completely sure about. Um, but we do a couple of these things. We'll touch on exactly what that glorified body is going to be. But um, yeah. the next one is the big one, I think. Uh, uh, the third one is immortality. You're not going to die. Yeah, it's a body that won't die. It's a yeah, yes, exactly. You are going okay. Get this and take this as a truth for the week. You are going to live forever in a perfect place, heaven, yeah. with God. Who is wiping away? You know, who who is in all his glory, and you get to live in it forever. All sorrow and sadness is gone. Gone. No such thing anymore. And that goodness and happiness never ends. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, forever. Yeah, as the Sandlot would say. Yeah, stretch your mind as far to the future as you can. You haven't even got close to forever. Not even. <laughs> Not even like touched on it. Um. So yeah, that's great. Never-ending joy and communion with God and other and other and other people. Yeah. Next is the satisfaction of all needs, uh, and you just touched on that when you're reading the Revelation 21 passage that God God meets all the needs of His people permanently forever. That we have God close with us, which we'll talk touch on more in a moment, uh, and God constantly and fully supplies all the needs of His people forever. He says, "I'll be their God; they'll be my my people." He will dwell among us. And we will never want for anything no ever want. again. There's yeah. no hunger. There's no sadness. There's none of that. It's all gone. God meets every need all the time. Yeah. Pretty bomb. Pretty bomb. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. You know, people sometimes say like they wish they could live forever and they're living in this life. And I'm like, no, thank you. No way. <laughs> I'm like, no. Why would you want to live forever? Yeah, this is where I want to live forever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in this perfect Exactly. Place. Not here. No. Please don't let this go on forever. <laughs> I mean, there's Come some joy now. here, but man, let's not let this broken thing keep gimping along any there for was, eternity. There was another great quote from C.S. Lewis that I read, and I don't know, I don't have the quote, but he, he was writing to a woman who was dying or mm. thought she was dying, I think is what the article said. Mm. And he's like, 
he's like, what should you have to fear about death? Yeah. Why should you cling to this life with this brokenness instead of welcoming death like a friend because you know where your hope lies? Yeah. Um, Anyway. (laughs) I wonder how she received that. Like, (laughs) you're right, or that's insensitive. (laughs) Well, the article was saying that C.S. Lewis died like four months after he wrote that. Yeah. So anyway... Yeah, I, yeah he, she's like, thanks a lot. <laughs> um, the fifth thing is we will be sharing in Christ's glory. And the scripture talks a lot about how we are co-heirs with Christ. Um, and it's not something that we can fully understand what that fully means. Um, I've heard it talked a lot, or I've heard the example of, uh, of it's it's like a movie marquee, right? Where, it's, <laughs> where it says... Where's this going? <laughs> it, I've heard this example from Pastor Rick and oh, Pastor okay. Tom talk about this. Is, sure they say, is they say, it's like a movie marquee where it says, it says starring Christ, starring Jesus, co-starring <laughs> your name. Yeah. Um, so true. it's it, it's get it's it's sharing in Christ's glory. Yeah. Um, well, let's let's do an episode on glory one of these days. That'd be really cool. That, that's a fun topic. Yeah, I've, I've I've heard from a few different authors talk about describe glory as luminosity, and not necessarily literally light. Although God is described as light, yeah, yeah, yeah. and God is the glorious one. Um, but also as visibility. And, and hmm. okay, not not getting too far. Into this. I just think it's rather interesting, and you know, how I am I like interested to, to you know how read I like more to about. I know gag on these things, but oh boy, um, yeah. There's I've heard it. Dis- I've heard it talked about in in a way that sort of implies like glory is um, is a sort of a visibility to others that God's glory is ultimate because in the end every knee will bow sure, every tongue sure, will sure. confess like He is ultimate in terms of glory like all worship is directed mm. to Him. Um, but that he sort of he glorifies others, like Christ was glorified by the yeah, Father yeah. in his resurrection, and um, and it does and that, about his glory radiates, and he's the firstborn of many brothers and sisters, yeah, and that yeah. we share in that glory. And mm. I think a lot of that glory has to do with relationship. That yeah. in heaven we get to be fully known, we're fully known by others, and we know them fully. And so there's this luminosity, or this visibility that exists there, whereas hell is characterized by darkness and aloneness and that and if heaven is ultimate glorification that you become fully known and fully loved yeah. um hell is the opposite of that in the sense that you become you enter this dark place you become a, a you become a darkened body mm. you're not seen mm. by anyone and neither do you see anyone else and so it's interesting uh, it's an interesting take on glory but this idea of luminosity is something that that's really a fun future discussion I, I wanted to hit on quickly it kind of goes back to how oh, heaven will be perfect. Imagine a place with no broken relationships because you hit, oh, yeah. because you talked about relationships earlier. Imagine having no gossip, no no strife between people. Yeah. Like, you no know. No backstabbing. Yeah, exactly. No passive aggression. There no raised eyebrows. Yeah. No furrowed eyebrows. No, uh... No rolled eyes. <laughs> yeah, I just... <laughs> no back sass. <laughs> I bet there'll still be some healthy sarcasm, though. I was going to say sarcasm, but I'm like, yeah. Hey, even God's a little sarcastic sometimes. That's true. Book of Job, baby. Read there Job. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, excuse me, Job. Did you, <laughs> did you make really the earth? Say oh, did you, uh, you know, love mark that. out the boundaries I, of the ocean? I love Oh, that I'm sorry. Part. I love You God must know that, better than me. <laughs> and that book is so fun. Yeah, God really dishes the sarcasm. Okay, we have there. one point left. Yes, it is. Let's not, let's not linger. Uh, it's finally the one big descriptor of heaven is 
and probably the descriptor of heaven is intimate fellowship with God and other believers, especially with God, with other believers as well. But it's that perfect intimate fellowship with God that sort of is the source of all these other things, you know? Yeah. There's no shame. No shame. That, oh, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. That's exactly right. You know, Adam and Eve sinned. What do they do? Run into the bushes. Yeah. Now there's no impulse to do that anymore. There's no, there's nothing at all standing between you and God. Nothing to hide from, yeah. There's nothing to hide from, and there's nothing... God has nothing against you because Jesus has taken all that sin. He's taken all that blame and all the guilt away. Mm. It's completely forever wiped out, far as the east is from the west. Infinitely mm. far. Like, absurdly far. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you went from infinitely to absurdly. <laughs> like, yeah. the farthest far, far, yeah. far, farthest. Yeah, as far as left is from right. It's yeah. just, okay. they, they never touch. Um, so intimate fellowship with God and other believers is is sort of the characteristic of, of heaven. And it, again, is why heaven is not a suitable place for someone who wants nothing to do with God. It's true. Because it's God's home. It's like, you know, why would you live like, oh, in this, the home of the person who you can't stand to be around? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not much conversation going on. <laughs> um, um, okay, take us home with that. There's this verse. great verse in Romans eight eighteen that really, it, it kind of is a sum up of everything that we've been talking about for the past five has it been five weeks or four weeks it'll be this will be the fifth this will be the fifth it says yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later Mm. that's that's the story right because we talked a few weeks ago about the suffering about the source of the suffering about how how that came into play yeah and now we're talking about how that is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us yeah. later. And that's where that's everything we've been talking about today. Yeah. That, that's yeah, that's such a source of worship. That's such a that's something to to make even the hardest seasons of life more livable. Yeah. Knowing what awaits in the future. Knowing that in the end, this is all going to pay, pale in comparison. In fact, the whole story that we've been telling about how everything came to be and all these four questions, like in the end, these are these are gonna become almost inconsequential blips on the radar from eons ago. You know, mm-hmm. that eternity with God is what we were always made for. The yeah. the vast majority of our experience will always be that eternity with God. And that's a Yeah, that's everything a you've experienced on the, on the earth is a blip. It's a dot. Yeah, it's nothing in comparison to the future. Uh, let me just, I'm just going to read these last points real quickly, if, that, sure. if that's okay with you. Just some doable steps. These also come from foundations. These come from the... Um, the second coming section of foundations, I, I believe. Think you yeah, said it was, I think yeah. I got it from there. Um, so these are some just some good points that Pastor Tom and uh, and and Kay Warren wrote. Uh, so what should our attitude be as we await this final time, as we await our eternal home in heaven and all that stuff? Um, first, be alert and watchful. Yep. Um, you know the New Testament has language about you know Jesus may come very suddenly and mysteriously and what will you be doing when that time comes? You know, it says, don't be caught asleep. In other, in other words, don't be caught unaware, flat-footed, but be be ready and be thinking, be conscious of the fact that Jesus is returning yeah. um, and that we are going to be called to account. And that even though we believers um, know that all of our record is wiped away by Christ, again, last week's episode, um, we also know that our time is limited and there are people that need to hear the gospel that we need to be... There, At one there point we, we maybe talked more about... about all that yeah. might be a good episode. Anyways, be watchful. Next, be alert and self-controlled. Think about the way that you live. This mm-hmm. is this is important. We have to live with eternity in mind. <clears throat> live holy lives. Goes along the same lines. Um, 
being self-controlled, seeking after God's holiness, um, striving to obey his commands, seeking to become more like him. Be patient and eagerly wait and long for his return. Believers ought to look forward to his coming because it it ends in the triumph of good over evil and in uh, eternal glory and home with God. All right. Uh, I don't know how long this went, but time to wrap it up. Um, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And do remember to comment or send us a message with your favorite Christmas carol oh, yeah. as we want to get to those in the coming weeks. Also, did you notice my mug? D. It actually has a D on both sides. Is it Doug Whoa. or is it doable? Whoa. Hey. Good job with that. Anyway, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We love you. We'll see you again next week. If you're a podcast listener and you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. And if you're thinking, hey, listening's great, but is there a way I can watch these episodes? Yeah, there is. Subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for video versions of these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you're already watching us on YouTube, subscribe to the podcast so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question just might inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and I hope you'll join us again next week.